Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome. This is Ryan Cabrera here with the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, your co-host with Pastor Nick Plummer, riding his coattails to the top, baby. And we are going to do some Torah portion today. We are doing Sab, which is command. And this can be found in the book of Leviticus, uh, which starts in chapter 8, verse 8 through chapter 8, verse 36. Lots of nitty-gritty details. I think you're going to enjoy it. Absolutely, Ryan. I call this the meat of Torah. You know, to the left of Leviticus is Genesis and Exodus. Then you have Leviticus, which is the meat. And to the right, you have Numbers and Deuteronomy. The reason why this book is so important is because in Exodus 19, he calls out to the children of Israel and says, listen, you will be above all people if you hear my voice and keep my covenant. Uh, He even says that you will be my priest, a holy nation. So as far as Leviticus Leviticus goes, uh, it is so named because it records the duties of the Levites. Uh, The Hebrew name for the book, the first word of the Hebrew text means, and he called. This title is representative of the content and purpose of the book, namely the calling of God's people, and in particular, the calling of the Levites to minister before him. This third book of Moses is a primer for the moral and ethical instruction of of the chosen people of God. So once again, a little review here, because Leviticus is, of course, my favorite book. This is a book that starts with consecration and it ends in consecration. Remember the book of Exodus, we go from groan to glory. And the theme here is, you shall be holy. Now, if we break down Leviticus into two sections or two parts, In Leviticus chapter 1 through chapter 17, this is the way to God. It involves redemption and, of course, the day of atonement. Now, Leviticus chapter 18 through 27 is the walk with God. This is in regard to, of course, restoration and the year of Jubilee. So keep that in mind as you study this book. Also, Uh, A little reminder uh, in regard to the five offerings. We have a burnt offering, uh, a grain offering, a peace offering, sin offering, and a trespass or guilt offering. So five is the number for grace. So right out of the gate, the sacrificial system involves five sacrifices. Uh, You can find Yeshua in these sacrifices as well. And I believe that you could even find yourself uh, in regard to it being relevant for today. Take, for example, the burnt offering, voluntary. You, you offer up your whole being, your total being, like the burnt offering, the olah. And, of course, it's taken up as a sweet aroma. It's voluntary. So once you do this, what accommodates the burnt offering usually is a bloodless offering. It is a grain offering. Uh, in the King James, it says meat but it is, of course, in regard to a meal offering. Once again, a sweet aroma and voluntary. It is voluntary. There is absolutely no uh, leaven. It's made of, of course, uh, fine flour, oil, frankincense, uh, the unleavened, and then, of course, salt as a preservative. 
This actually signifies thanksgiving for first fruits. Now, once again, uh, you cannot partake of the burnt offering or the grain offering uh, as the offerer, but you can enjoy the peace offering. So once you've given of yourself, everybody, listen up. This is so relevant. You need to understand this now. We are living in a culture of selfishness, and this is not what it's about. So once you totally give of yourself and then you begin to serve, which is representative of the meal offering, you then begin to be blessed and God pours out his blessings and his favor. And so now you you give peace offerings and you invite people to come into your life and show them how you're blessed and what the Lord has done. And like Moses was telling his father-in-law, Jethro, let, let me tell you all that the Lord has done. You know, he's so excited. And that's the way we should be with God. And then people are going to want a piece of that action. They're going to want a little piece of that action, a peace offering. Once again, this is voluntary, Ryan. But then we come to the final two offerings here, just as an opening, so that way you can't tell me that these podcasts are boring or Leviticus is boring. Uh, you know, it's, it's what you make it to be. This book is exciting and outstanding. So the last two offerings is, of course, a sin offering and a trespass offering. And we, of course, know that this is mandatory. It's not voluntary. It's compulsory. And of course, within the sin offering, you, these are sins that were unintentional. And of course, it also entails becoming unclean and needing purification. Uh, we know it deals with sins that are unintentional, but also we would say also intentional sins as well, because that's what we would need as far as a sin offering. So the good thing is, is that Yeshua can actually be found in this. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 13, verses 11 through 13. Now, we also have a thing here called the trespass offering or the guilt offering. You know, we can trespass against God and we can trespass against each other. You guys need to, to listen to this that's listening over the air, guys and gals, because this is the hour for the book of Leviticus to come into power. And of course, it deals with restitution when we trespass. And we can see that it foreshadows the fact that Christ, Yeshua, is also our trespass offering, Colossians 2.13. So keep all that in mind as you get into the book of Leviticus. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and to just, and just invade your life and surrender and yield and, and be an offering unto the Lord, you know. Romans 12, a living sacrifice. So how, how does this all come into play? Well, we're going to be looking at Zav, which is command, and we know that uh, it starts in Leviticus uh, 6, 8, and so I'm going to be looking at this burnt offering. And it's the name of the offering that was to burn upon the altar all night, the burnt offering, Leviticus 6, 9. Now, the priest uh, was required to wear um, his linen garment in breeches when he was removing the ashes from the altar, Leviticus 6, 10. And where did the priest first place the ashes when removing them from the altar, Leviticus 6, 10? This is going to be beside the altar. So beside the altar. <coughs> now, did the priest have to change his garments and put on other garments before removing the ashes out of the camp to a clean place? Yes. Absolutely. A change of status. You know, remember, these, these, these ceremonial things are important. You know what it does, Ryan? It slows us down. Mm. It allows us to reflect. That's true. And, you know, and we say, oh, well, where's my liberty? Well, you have too much liberty. We've taken our liberty, okay, and created calamities, you know. And so we need to take our liberty and to slow down and do what is right. And this is really cool. Uh, Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. 
Was the fire of the altar to burn continually? Yes, it was. It gives instructions about keeping wood on it and uh, burning it continually and allowing the the burnt offerings to burn through the night. It was um, it needed to be stay on perpetually. Think about it. Burn continually. So all of us became born again, or we gave our lives to the Lord at different times of the day. What a picture of redemption. What a picture of being born again, that at different hours of the day, we all came to know the Lord. I know mine was in the evening. Uh, in March of 1992, and celebrating that. And uh, so thinking about this priesthood, were Aaron and his sons to eat the remainder of the meat offering in Leviticus 6.16? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They were to eat the remainder of the meat offering. Once again, bloodless, unleavened bread, cereal, grains. Uh, And where were they to eat it, Ryan? Uh, So they were going to eat it in the holy place in the court, which I thought was interesting. So you know, I think some of this stuff we take for granted because we don't actually see it happening or it's not part of our lifestyle. But what do they just set up a table in the in the court and it comes There's off the no altar? Table. You got no. the barbecue pit There's master. There's no tables or chairs. You're eating standing up. Huh. I mean, imagine that. Now, could the meat offering be baked with leaven? Uh, no. Once again, this is a total picture. Ryan, this is what I love about God. People are bored with Leviticus and they're bored with the ceremony. But you know what? God told Moses, hey, I want you to make this according to the pattern in heaven. That's right. So imagine the protocol that's in heaven. Yeah. Well, in some of these things, you know, the spiritual and the natural mirror each other. And God has things in in the Torah that he wants us to do so that we not only have an abstract understanding of something, but we have a full understanding of something, that it gets into our spirit, that we internalize it, and that we can do it. Um, One example of this is I remember when I started planting a garden, God would speak to me when I was tending the garden, that I would plant the seed, I would water, I'd do all these things, and then all of a sudden you have this life growing up, and that's where you know I would pray, God would speak to me there, but it was in these mundane things, or these seemingly mundane things, that God would be most present. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and so when I look at things like this, where there's specific uh, things that God wants done, uh, that you're set apart, right? So if these things are set apart to God, God has a specific way to do it, uh, I say, do it God's way. Amen? So, yeah, so we have these five sacrifices, these five offerings, and now, was there a special offering made to the Lord when Moses anointed Aaron in Leviticus 6.20? Yes. Very good. There was a, a, a special offering made to the Lord when Moses anointed Aaron. Once again, why was it a special offering? To be sanctified, set apart. A set-apart offering for a purpose that you would remember. So Ryan's going to read Leviticus chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. And it says here, And the priest of his sons that is anointed in his stead shall offer it. It is a statute forever unto the Lord. It shall be wholly burnt, for every meat offering for the priest shall be wholly burnt. It shall not be eaten. So this is in contrast to the regular meat offering. The meat offering that is uh, on behalf of the priest is to be burnt completely and not eaten. That's interesting. And was the sin offering considered holy, Leviticus 6.25? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole thing. Yes, the sin offering. Remember, that's, that's mandatory. Leviticus 6.26, was the priest allowed to eat the sin offering in the holy place in the court of the tabernacle of the congregation? Yes. Yep, the priest was allowed to eat the sin offering. And that's what I mean. Like, he's standing there in the court eating, you know, so you got the guy on the, up on the... Uh, up on the ramp, you know, tossing down some meat to the guys below. I mean, they catch it and eat it. This is interesting, you know. So were the two kidneys removed from the sacrifice of the trespass offering? 
Levitic- Leviticus 7, 4. Yes. The two kings- yes, they were removed. Among other things, yep. Among the trespass offering. Now, could the priest eat the trespass offering in the holy place? He could. Absolutely, yes. In the holy place, you could eat it. Was the trespass offering considered holy? It was, yep. It sure was. Absolutely. Trespass offering was considered holy, yes. Now, what priest received the right to eat the sin or trespass offering? Yeah. Leviticus 7, 7. So what priest received the right to eat the sin or trespass offering, this that is, portion? This is going to be the priest who made the atonement for it, so the one who actually handled the sacrifice. Interesting. The priest who made atonement for it is the one to eat that. Now, who kept the skin from the burnt offering, Levitica, Leviticus 7, 8? Uh, the priest that offered it up. So once again, remember that the burnt offering was totally consumed, but the skin of the of the animal of the bull could actually be retained mm. by the priests. Got it. Now, were the priests forbidden to eat the meat offering? Leviticus chapter seven, verses nine and ten. No, no, they weren't. And here we go. This is this is interesting in regard to the grain offering here, the the meat offering, meal offering. What three different types of peace offerings could be made? So in regard to a a peace offering that was done as a a grain offering, it could be one of these three things. Unleavened cakes mingled with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes mingled with uh, oil of fine flour and fried. So basically you could make uh, a cake out out of flour and oil, you could have like a cracker that you made or like a matzah that you, you basted with oil like over the top, or you could have um, it where you actually mingled it into dough and then you fried it. Wow, that's interesting. Like a funnel cake. It's, it's, that's the detail. Three different variations of an unleavened bread. So was the peace offering for Thanksgiving eaten the same day that it was offered? Leviticus 7.15, the peace offering. Once again, this is the offering that the offerer could participate in or, or actually be a part of it and, and receive. That's the only one. And... And was it, of course, uh, eaten the, eat same, the same day? day? Yes, it was. So that's uh, Leviticus 7.15. In Leviticus 7.16, when did the peace offering for a vow or a voluntary offering have to be eaten? On the same day, just like the regular peace offering or the Thanksgiving peace offering, or the next day. So you These are instructions, folks. Listen, don't blow this off. Don't blow, Just really think about this. Because in all you're getting, get understanding. Because our God doesn't change. Okay. Now, now, once you get into this, really understand it and break it down and understand it. And he will bless you. Uh, that's the joy that I've had uh, since 1999 of the fall uh, of, of sharing these Torah portions. So uh, let's see. Uh, Leviticus 7.20. What would happen to someone who was unclean and ate the peace offering? Uh, so here's verse 20, and it says, uh, but that, but the soul, the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul should be cut off from his people. Once again, look at the punishment. You know, I, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe not keeping Shabbat it was a capital punishment, stoning. You know, capital punishment. It was death if you didn't keep the Shabbat. Right. But from my understanding and studying the the uh, the feast days, if you didn't keep the feast days, you were basically excommunicated. So what's the, what's the higher judgment? But Shabbat. Yeah. Shabbat. And it comes every week, Ryan. How are we treating the Shabbat? Mm. Is our heart lining up with the Shabbat? Let's look at this. Could a person eat the fat of an ox, sheep, or goat? Leviticus seven twenty three. Nope. Why can't you eat the fat? Belongs to the Lord. That's right. Belongs to the Lord. 
Leviticus 7.26, could anyone eat blood from a fowl or a beast? Uh, no, no blood. No blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Right. So what would happen to someone who ate the blood in Le- Leviticus 7.27? That soul shall be cut off from his people. You know, I like to talk to everybody in our congregation about their, their past to the point of their experiences and, and growing and learning in the Lord. And uh, I had this lady that's from England, and she was sharing with me about blood pudding. Blood oh. pudding. Not good, folks. It's not good. And so uh, she has since uh, not eaten that. But I'm just saying that uh, if you're familiar with blood pudding, uh, that is definitely not something that you would want to eat. Uh, in, according to the book of Leviticus. Now, in the peace offering, what was done with the breast of the sacrifice? Leviticus 7, 30 and 31. So it was waved for a wave offering, and it was eaten by the priests. Waved for a wave offering, eaten by the priests. You know, it's interesting. They were saying that when the priesthood would raise their arms up, straight up in the air, it was a sign that the sacrifice is ready. It is ready to be received. The arms go up, and that means that the sacrifice is to be received. Hmm. So what was done with the right shoulder of the peace offering in Leviticus 7, verses 32 and 33? So the the right shoulder of the peace offering was given as a heave offering, uh, and it was eaten by the priests. Very good. What sacrifice was needed to ordain Aaron and his sons? Leviticus 8, 2. Once again, this is a special sacrifice, ordination. Uh, what sacrifice was needed? It was a bull and two rams. So a bullock know. and two rams. Yep. Now, who gathered at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in Leviticus 8.3? Who gathered This at the is going to be all of the congregation. Wow. See, they're all coming to the ordination. Oh, this is an important time. <clears throat> now, what did Moses do with Aaron and his sons in Leviticus chapter 8 in verse 6? What did he do with Aaron and his sons. He washed them with water. He washed them with water. And did Moses dress Aaron from head to toe in he Leviticus did. 8, uh, verses 7 and 9? Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Just remember the laver uh, is in the outer court, and the priest would go and wash their hands and feet right out of the gate. That's the first thing that they would do. So did Moses take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle along with all that was in it in Leviticus chapter 8 in verse 10? Uh, he did. It says, And Moses took anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. I'll bet you that's even the, the, the utensils. Yeah. I mean, really, that's amazing. It, it needs to be set apart. When you anoint something, everybody, you're setting it apart. That's why you just don't go around anointing people and anointing things. You, you anoint it to set it apart. And how many times did Moses sprinkle the anointing oil upon the altar in Leviticus Chapter 8, verse 11. How many times? Seven times. Seven times. Seven is completion. So what was poured upon Aaron's head in Leviticus 8, 12? The anointing oil. Wow. It was poured on. Not sprinkled, not drops. It was poured upon. Like, hey, I'm really setting you apart. Yeah. You know, and that's incredible. And of course, uh, who dressed Aaron's sons? Leviticus chapter 8, verse 13. Moses did that as well. Moses dressed Aaron's sons. Now we're going to get into the uh, offerings for the priesthood for their, for their purpose. Leviticus 8, 14. I'm going to have Ryan read Leviticus chapter 8, verse 14. And here we go. It says, And he brought the bullock of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering. Leviticus 8, 14. 
Excellent. Now, what did Moses put upon the horns of the altar in Leviticus 8.15? Uh, the blood from the sin offering. There you go. He put the blood upon the horns of the altar, the four horns. So what was burned with fire outside the camp in Leviticus 8.17? The bull's hide, his flesh, and dung. And that was, of course, from what? The burnt offering. From the sin offering. I'm sorry, from the sin offering. Absolutely, yep. the sin offering. So you didn't get to keep that one. No, it's, no, it's because the burnt, burnt offering, offering is wholly consumed. Because it yeah. it's voluntary. Here, you're getting totally rid of it. So it's actually right. burnt outside the camp, which references, of course, Yeshua being outside the camp as well. Uh, what was the first ram used for in Leviticus 8.18? The first ram was used for a burnt offering. What was the second ram used for in Levit- Leviticus 8.22? For a consecration offering. There we go. So now we're talking about a bullock for the sin offering. We're talking about a burnt offering. And then, of course, uh, we're, we're actually talking about the second ram is for consecration. So three different types of sacrifices in regard to that. In uh, Leviticus chapter 8, verses 23 and 24, what parts of the body of Aaron and his sons did Moses apply the blood of the second ram? This is going to be on the tip of Aaron's right ear. Uh, on the thumb of his right hand and on the the big toe of his right foot. On the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the great toe of his right foot. Just think about it. What is Aaron listening to? He needs to hear from the Lord. It's it's on his right ear. On the thumb of his right hand, where is his hand going? What is he doing with his hands for the Lord? And of course, on the great toe of his right foot, where is Aaron to go? He's to go where the Lord wants him to go. Now, was a basket of unleavened bread used for the ordination of Aaron and his sons in Leviticus chapter 8, verses 2 and 26? A basket of unleavened bread yes. for the ordination? Yes, special, special unleavened bread there used for that. Was a wave offering given by Aaron and his sons in Leviticus 8, 27? Uh, yeah. And what two things were sprinkled upon Aaron and his sons in Leviticus 8, 30? This is going to be the anointing oil and the blood. Anointing oil and blood. In Leviticus 8.31, what two things were given by Moses for Aaron and his sons to eat at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation? Uh, It's going to be boiled flesh and bread. And they were to eat that at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Boiled flesh and bread. Leviticus uh, chapter 8, verse 33. How long did... The consecration lasts for Aaron and his sons. Seven whole days. Seven days for consecration. Yep. So seven means completion, seven days a week. Amen. Uh, what would happen if they did not keep the commandments charged by God in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 35? What would happen if they did not keep the commandments charged by God? They would die. They would die. Yep. That's, that's a steep, steep, steep punishment. Sure is. Once again, I want to encourage you to go back and really pray about the Torah portions. You know, uh, I always find things that are very exciting in the Torah portions, and, and there are so many cool things happening. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're a family member or your friends or you're part of the church or you're or, or you're, you're just part of the Commonwealth of Israel, or you're just seeking after God and you're listening to this podcast, I want to tell all of you something right now. What you're witnessing in the earth, through the media and our culture, 
is nothing compared to what God is really doing in the earth and what he's doing in the hearts of men, women, and children all over the world. He's writing his Torah on minds and hearts, and now we are establishing an awesome community of Beit Tehillah. But, but I want to share this little, this little story with you that I, I think you'll find very interesting. Uh, we are, of course, uh, celebrating a uh, biblical new year and everything, and as we put this podcast together, uh, we are really uh, excited about the new year, uh, but I want to remind all of you something that happened uh, some time ago. Uh, Charlton Heston passed away on April the 5th, 2008, in the state of California, and was 84 years old. He played the role of Moses in Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments. The biblical new year began in the evening on April 5th, 2008. You can find this reference in Exodus 12 too, the biblical new year. God took Moses before the biblical new year nearly 3,500 years ago in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 5 through 8. Once again, Charlton Essen, uh, it was recorded that he passed away in the morning of that day. In the evening, just a few hours later, it began a biblical new year. Now, is it a coincidence that the Lord took Moses and Charlton Heston at the end of the year, just before the biblical new year? See, the Lord is taking a generation to be with him, and he is raising up another one. Just a little note uh, to remember as well that Charlton Heston was married to a woman, her name was Lydia, for 64 years. That is an incredible testimony. Wow, man. Now, the cool thing about this, Ryan, is that my dad, while he was in Texas living there, had the opportunity to go to a bookstore for a Charlton Heston book signing. Here's where you're going to brag, huh? Yes, I'm going to brag on this one. <laughs> so how many of you remember years ago, Charlton Heston did this documentary or this series called The Bible, and he drove around in a Jeep, and he would tell stories about the Bible and go to some archaeological sites and different sites, and he would tell, of course, uh, the Bible stories. Well, they came out with a book called The Bible, and uh, lo and behold, my father waited in line, and I have Moses's autograph. Wait. Charlton Heston's autograph. Charlton Heston book. wrote a book, wrote the Bible? It's called the Bible. It, it's, it's promoting the Bible, <laughs> right? Awesome. So I just want to leave you all with that. We are living in exciting times. And I want to encourage you to keep the faith, to press in, because not only is God counting on you, but your family's counting on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we had a lot of fun today. And uh, as you guys know, uh, from last week's uh, podcast, the first half of Leviticus chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God, and the rest of it is the walk with God. And so uh, we find it interesting that the very first thing that we have to do uh, in order to get to God is to get cleaned up and have a sacrifice. And so we have to have a sacrifice, and then when we when we prepare ourselves that we can enter into His presence. And so we know that Yeshua, Jesus Christ, is our sacrifice. He is our way uh, to the Father. And that because of him, that we get immediately cleaned up and that we have a sacrifice to bring because of what he's done, the finished work of the cross. And so it's very exciting stuff, guys. Uh, dig into this, uh, read it, study it, uh, learn it as much as you can. Uh, if you guys have questions or, or you need anything, please uh, reach out. My email is ryan at topraise.net. That's ryan at topraise.net. Uh, you can also uh, check us out for our services on uh, Shabbat. It's at 11 o'clock every Saturday. Uh, at topraise.net and then just go to the uh, Watch Us Live tab. And then uh, you can also call the office anytime during the week, 813-654-2222. Have a great week.